Welcome to the Homeschool with Ease podcast. I'm your host, Nancy McHale. If you're looking for practical ways to teach your children, plan your curriculum, and gain the mindset you need for homeschooling, then you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Welcome to the Homeschool with Ease podcast. My name is Nancy McHale, and I have a very special guest with me and a friend of mine, Lizette Vias. I've known her for a long time. We've done a lot of different kinds of collaboration. Welcome, Lizette, and please introduce yourself. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being here. Of course. So a little bit about myself and what I do. I am a teacher. I have my master's in education and I absolutely love talking about education, about homeschooling, micro-schooling, you name it, any out of model school system that is out there, co-ops, hybrid um, situations. I just think it's wonderful that parents have options. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. So we were talking before we started recording and you were telling me all of the new developments that you have going on and you started a micro school. So congratulations for that. Um, and so can you go into what is a micro school? Definitely. So a micro school is essentially a spin on the modern, like, or on the old school um, idea of a one-room schoolhouse and we have right now we have five students with us um, but ideally we would probably be looking at 10 students and there's typically one teacher um, and the nice thing is that my husband and I are both educators and so he has joined me on this journey of, of teaching um, others and really it all unfolded because families were asking us to homeschool their children and um and you know this this is just like it's been a wonderful wonderful journey with them and uh yeah so we cover all of the subjects it's Monday through Friday and we're able to really take on the experiential learning side of things and so for example, tomorrow we'll be headed to Los Rios Rancho. If you're from Southern California, you've probably headed up to Oakland at some point and maybe done some apple picking. So we're gonna go in and press some some cider and you know go on wagon rides and horseback riding. So we're really excited, but um, bringing in that experiential immersive learning into our sphere and just letting kids know that learning can be fun. And we have third to ninth grade um, happening right now at our school. Wow, that's really, really fun. I That sounds like a really fun field trip tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so why keep it so small? So you have five students, your goal is 10. Um, and you didn't say much more than that, like about, you know, getting like more than those students. So why keep it small? Right, so, so the idea of, of micro-schooling, um, you know, it's a microcosm of what is happening in, you know, kind of the larger context of education. And it's really um, essential for us to keep the number small, the number of students small, the student to, to teacher ratio, because we want to have that um, personalized experience for them. We want them to be seen and known and heard. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to do that when you have, I mean, I think most of us have been there, you know, we have 
30 plus students in the classroom. And as much as you wanna have that differentiated instruction and, and that one-on-one -on -one time, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And this allows for that individualized instruction to take place. It allows for us to actually for the field trips, it's really convenient. We're able to hop into you know, a car and then go. And, and, and so for many reasons, the number of students um, is, you know, it is a small number. It's for practical reasons. It's for that one-on-one -on -one, um, experience. And it's also um, because where we are right now, just practically speaking, um, this space truly just allows for that amount of, of kids. And then maybe in the future, as we expand, it could be more, and then we would hire someone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That personalized learning element is so vital, especially in today's world where, you know, we're learning more and more about our kids and what they need to learn and they have all these kinds of different interests and trying to meet each student at their level is challenging right even if for a homeschool parent at home like trying to figure out the best way so i love that you're keeping it small um to really keep that personalized element so what does like how is a micro school different in the learning aspect than just like a traditional school model? Right, so the traditional school model uh, usually adheres to, you know, state testing and you have this, uh, you know, well, first of all, I should backtrack and say that we're year round. Mm -hmm. So right from the, right the get-go, we're different in the sense that we don't approach the, the year as like a school year, right? It's not just a school year. It's a way of life. It's a way of, we, 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 we really use that word lifelong learner all the time. I think as teachers, we always say lifelong learning, mm -hmm. but this is embodying that we are lifelong learners. And so we say, you know, this school year doesn't end in June, mm -hmm. right? This school year doesn't um, just start in September. It actually goes all the way through and we do have, you know, we do have breaks in the middle, you know, he, we have breaks here and there, but it's, it's different. It's a different way of viewing the year because every day is a day for learning for, for us, for our students, um, and, and really showing that in the, in the classroom, outside of the classroom that you can learn within the four walls, you can learn outside. Um, there's no like specific designated area to learn. It's everywhere and anywhere. And so um, discussing that with our kids and, and, and really um, living that out, I think as teachers ourselves um, and modeling that for them is incredibly important. So that would be one aspect that it's year round. Um, and, and then second of all, it's different because we are student-centered as opposed to um, being test-centered. Mm -hmm. So we're not teaching to the test. Um, we have parents that do want their kids to test. And so we offer that because we always wanna um, have students um, position in such a way that if they're ready to, um, you know, maybe they're ready to go to a different high school or maybe they're getting ready to go to college, we want them to have every opportunity available to them. And um, 
not feel like any school is doing them a favor by accepting them into into their program. Rather, it's that this school would want them into their, you know, want to go ahead and, and offer admission because they have so much to offer because they're just, you know, so full of all of these wonderful experiences. Um, part of that being, you know, a micro schooling student. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're different in that aspect as well. Um, and I, I can't stress enough that that tailored instruction, that customized learning, and, and you do this, you know, um, all the time, you're customizing projects for, for different um, needs that a child is showing. So it's, uh, it's exactly like, that's kind of our, our thing too, where we're, we're dedicating our time and our, and our energy to make sure that we, we reach each student exactly where they are. Mm. And so talk to me more about the personalized instruction in your school. Like, how do you personalize the instruction? Even with five students, it can be a challenge or kind of like a puzzle piece to figure out the best way to personalize that instruction. Definitely. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we have third, uh, we have um, third to ninth grade, um, specifically two third graders, one sixth grader, one eighth grader, and one ninth grader. Um, so being that there's, you know, two elementary school students and two middle schoolers and one high schooler, um, there's some subjects, and I think we've probably talked about this um, before, but there are some subjects where I can go ahead and combine mm-hmm. um, all of the students, you know, um, all of the, the, the teaching can be done for all of the students, such as Spanish. Mm-hmm. So they're all kind of on the same page with Spanish. And that has been so fun. We went to Olvera Street and they ordered, you know, their churros and their tacos and, and all of that and, uh, in Spanish. And we had a scavenger hunt. So they really had to practice what they were learning by speaking it out. Um, so that's, you know, that's one way that they're all learning um, at the same time. They're learning the same thing at the same time. Uh, and then for the personalized part of it, um, my third graders, each have different strengths. So one of the third graders is my son <laughs> and he's, he actually really loves spelling. And I realized that I didn't have to keep him in a box. I didn't have to keep him with just third grade spelling words. And I realized this my first year homeschooling him, which was like when he was in first grade. Um, so I, I was giving him words that were a little bit more advanced. And then now, him being in third grade um, has really kind of pushed me to say, I, I, I really I really don't have to just give him a little bit more advanced words. I can actually give him fifth grade words, right? Mm-hmm. I give him fourth grade, fifth grade words. And we watched Akila and the Bee and he was mesmerized by the word bioluminescent. And I mean, come on, <laughs> like as a third grader, like who am I to say, because you are eight years old, you're restricted to these words only. So he has that freedom mm-hmm. to, um, to advance at his own pace. Mm-hmm. And then my other third grader is, um, he, he's a communicator. He loves communicating and all my kids love presentations, which is a miracle, but they do, they love presenting. Um, and so giving him a little bit more challenging curriculum in that area, mm-hmm. like um, maybe more um, in depth, questions to answer and then to present um, 
So that, that public speaking portion is vital. And today they had, mm -hmm. uh, there was a question um, that, that was posed. This is a real world example. Uh, I think one of the, the dads, he wants to buy a donkey of all things, okay? <laughs> he was gonna buy a goat. And now I think he might be buying a donkey, but he wasn't sure which was better, a donkey, a mule, or a horse. So he asked the kids and then it turned into, okay, well, you guys are going to go ahead and, um, and research. What is the difference between a henny and a, and a mule and you know, um, a foal and, 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 and all, you know, I didn't even know that mules were sterile. <laughs> My kids taught me that. <laughs> so, so that's just one example of how, you know, um, that individualized instruction is, is, is really key. And, and my eighth grader is doing ninth grade work. She came from a Waldorf background and um, really no technology, obviously. And, um, and so she's learning how to now use technology in her presentations and, um, and using Minecraft education. And, and so that's all very new to her. And she's catching on very quickly and it's wonderful because she's in eighth grade, but I'm going to um, still order the PSAT for her. So mm -hmm. she can take the PSAT because her goal is to ultimately um, go to an Ivy League school. Wow. So I want to prepare her and, and I never want her to feel again as though um, anyone is doing her a favor. She has a seat at the table and if she gains admittance, it will be, you know, her own hard work so well I love that because I'm all about personalized education and I love that you're seeing the opportunity of where their potential is and where they can grow and not being afraid of moving up grade levels in certain subjects and maybe staying at some great at the same grade level for some subjects so how does like because I know one thing that homeschool parents struggle with is planning, yeah. like figuring out what to teach, how to teach it with one or more of their children. So you're teaching multiple and multiple grade levels, multiple levels. How do you plan? Like what is the best way for you to plan? Right. So I have kind of um, looked at different <laughs> I've, I've experimented with different ways of planning and the nice thing is that I ended up going back to what I know so when I taught um you know a lot more kids than I do now I I definitely was using my lesson planner I had everything online um or in the beginning so this is going back 15 years, I think in the beginning, I definitely used to, you know, I would write it out in my lesson book, the planner book. Now, everything is, is, is online for me. And that works so well. I use homeschool manager. And it's great because the students are able to check off what they have completed. So any assignments that they have completed, if they're parents, so I definitely bring the parents into the process as well. If there's chores for them to do at home, or let's say they have extracurricular activities, the parents can incorporate that into homeschool manager and the student is then responsible for checking off what they have completed. And so there's ownership on their part. 
um, the parents are also a part of this process. And then of course, we're there as, as their teachers. And so it's this really nice um, collaboration between all of us. And um, so, yeah, so that's how I found planning to work out the best for the way that my mind works. And I'm, I love color coding. I love, I love the fact that, you know, I can just go on homeschool manager and move things. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever used it. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's a really simple program, super user-friendly, um, and it's meant for homeschooling families. It was created by a homeschooling family and you can drag, you know, let's say you have like a reading log. So my students have a reading log, daily reading log. I simply just move it to, I copy it to each day of the week and then I move it over to the next week. Okay. They have their spelling and their vocab test every week and their Spanish test. I move that over to the next week once they're done and then you keep on going. So yeah. it's really nice and it's, I highly, you know, recommend it's, and it's very affordable, very okay. affordable. <laughs> That's, that's a really good resource. I'll link that in the show notes if anyone is interested, but thank you for sharing that. I think that would help a lot of families out. Um, and so what kind of changes have you seen from maybe the beginning of working with your students and going through this personalized instruction and personalized everything for them? Um, have you gotten to see the changes of you know, th what through them? I have. So in the beginning, I think they were kind of missing when the whole um, pandemic started. I think we were all there kind of feeling, you know, that loss, that sense of maybe, um, I know my son was a little discombobulated in the beginning, you know, and I was as well. I was trying to figure out homeschooling and, um, and, and now I think that we have found our groove now we feel comfortable in a smaller setting. Um, and it's not, it's obviously been, you know, a little while now. So it's not as new. It doesn't feel daunting at all. It feels like we've hit this stride and, and now we're able to be as creative as, as we want to be, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of freedom in that. And I know that my students feel it. Um, we, you know, our PE program, that was something that I think was on the back burner. Like, well, they're running around and they're playing, right? And there's unstructured like playtime. So, you know, they're free, they're, they're kids. And, and then I realized that because my husband taught PE for a long time, I realized maybe they do need, you know, more or they actually did. I think they may have had like one or two balls in the beginning and and now they have like, they'll bring their skates, you know, so they'll skate around together and they have their little easy rollers and they play spike ball. And, and so structuring certain things and then letting them choose what they want, right? And then we do have PE now. So I've noticed growth in their movement and we'll have little brain breaks. And my third graders especially love the brain breaks. And um, there's all sorts on YouTube if you ever, you know, check that out. Um, yeah, that's a lot of fun. If you um, ever like have gone on Go Noodle. Yeah. Kind of like that. And kids are able to get their wiggles out and just like, have fun with that. So that's, that's a really sweet thing that I've noticed a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of play the, um, 
the field trips have taken on like this whole new this whole new element and and I didn't incorporate them as much I think I would have maybe you know like last year I may have had like five or six and then this year I actually have uh like one to two per month yeah. every month and then we have a nature day incorporated too so so the kids are expecting these nature days these field trips and they're starting to um offer a lot more suggestions so I've seen their growth in that area too, like planning and how does this kind of fit in with what we're learning? Like, oh, Mrs. Bias, if we're studying, you know, uh, like, you know, turtles, um, can we go to the aquarium or, you know, can we do this? And so they're starting to make those connections themselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm loving all of that. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I think we want from our kids, in addition to obviously the academic portion, we really want them to gain those life skills of learning how to maybe speak up or plan things or make those connections like those skills will really serve them later in life as well. So it's really wonderful that you're giving them that opportunity to do that. So speaking of field trips, um, so first I want to say, I kind of want to go with you. <laughs> it sounds so much fun. <laughs> um, but how, what would you recommend for a homeschool parent when they're planning a field trip? Like what should they think about? Where should they look? How should they go about it? Yeah, so I actually have recommendations I really like excellence in education and they're an educational services company based in Monrovia and they will go ahead and you know post uh, field trips for every month and so a lot of the field trips are um, based on the seasons and it's really um, just super convenient you can just check out excellenceineducation.com uh, and they also have monthly meetups they have um, they they are part of like a co-op. So they have all these different classes that they also, um, you know, uh, they have for the students. Uh, so excellence in education. And then there's um, another company called Celebration Education. Mm -hmm. And again, if you check out their website, they have many postings about different field trips. And I believe the last one that we went on it's not through Celebration Education, it was through Excellence in Education, but it was at Cal Poly Pomona. And they have, um, the, the biology department has created this beautiful biotrek, like rainforest situation. And we were studying native um, plants and people of California. And so that was just like a wonderful, wonderful field trip mm -hmm. to partake in. And uh, when we went, it was mostly homeschooling families. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, it's, it's just a really beautiful place to check out. And then um, there's several homeschooling uh, Facebook groups. And sometimes, you know, parents will go ahead and post, or maybe there's, a, there's someone that's putting together, like there's a coordinator that's putting something together, um, or someone has opened up their home. Uh, I think there was like medieval brass, like a medieval brass, uh, I think oh, I want to say brushing class. It was, it was something to do with like medieval times. And I just thought it was so great, but there's so many opportunities. I would say, check out those resources. And what I look for in, uh, 
in a quality field trip is really that it it's it pertains in some way shape or form to what we're studying mm-hmm. um, or if it's not in that moment what we're studying something that I know that is coming up you know I wanted to to relate to what we're doing um, I wanted to be engaging uh, for the kids you know really um, hands-on and I don't want them to just be spectators I want them to partake mm-hmm. in whatever it is that we're doing um, and so yeah, I would say, and, and if it's a, a, a reputable, you know, place, I know Cal Poly, um, Pomona, and, and, you know, just, and even if it's smaller, like lesser known um, establishments, as long as I kind of do my research, and I would recommend to anyone listening, you know, do your research, um, like who doesn't want to go on a wagon ride, do cider pressing, <laughs> I, I had taken my son before, so I know this um, specific place but if I if I had never been there I would probably just check out some videos on YouTube I might check out their Instagram account I you know just to kind of get a feel of what is going on and if this is something that my kids would benefit from yeah well those are great suggestions and I will put all of those suggestions in the show notes um, and so how would you recommend for a homeschool family if they were interested in more of like a group setting, like a micro school, how would you re- recommend that they look for a micro school in their area? So there's a couple different spots. Uh, there is a center called National Micro Schooling Center, and they're based out of um, Southern Nevada, and they're just doing a really wonderful job of connecting micro schools um, and they have a whole network going. So we're, um, we are actually part of the National Micro Schooling Center now. And as far as I know, uh, there's there's about two of us in California and I'm sure there's more. So if you're listening, you know, please register with the National Micro Schooling Center. It's free and um, just a wonderful way to network and to connect with others. And then there's also a, it's called a.school.com. Um, so it's like a school.com. And they have an app where you can go ahead and just put in where your micro school is. And essentially, um, it'll tell you if there's other micro schools in the area. So that's like a really wonderful way to see. But I would definitely check out National Micro Schooling Center first. Um, and then there's a lot popping up, so many that are popping up in Nevada, Arizona, um, you know, California, we're a little bit slower moving <laughs> with it, but yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lizette. This has been really wonderful and so informative. I've learned so much in this short time with you, and I really just appreciate you being here with me today. Is there anything else that you want to add um, for our homeschool families to hear? Um, no, I just want to encourage everyone that is homeschooling. You know, we see you. <laughs> all of us educators, we're all in this together. So I just, yeah, that's my encouragement. I'm cheering you on and what you do matters. And it's so very important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I really hope to have you back again. And I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. 
If you're wanting to plan a personalized curriculum and or learning plan to make sure that your child is really getting exactly what they need out of learning in the most engaging way possible, then connect with me because I help homeschool parents all the time come up with exactly what they need to teach their children, how to teach their children, and in the best way that works for them and their family. So you reach out to me at nancy at buildaproject.net or visit buildaproject.net to learn more about what I offer. I'd love to hear from you.